Grand Prairie, Dawson Creek, Fort St. John, or wherever you are joining from. Welcome to Fresh Angle. I am your host, Danielle. Fresh Angle invites you to hear about new, exciting ways to see God, yourself, and others. How do thriving relationships sound? Guilt and shame gone. Hope, peace, meaning, purpose, and a joy that can withstand whatever life throws at you can be your normal. We often fail to realize these things all have a common source, a clear understanding of who God is, of how He feels about us, and how knowing the truth changes everything. Stay tuned as Pastor Dan brings us a fresh angle on God, life, love, and the things that matter the most. Hey everyone, welcome back to Fresh Angle. I don't think we understand the impact of the book of Ruth, and I've been trying for a few weeks to explain the background of the story and some insights into the story. Today, I'm going to explain to you the impact of the story. Why is this story here? First of all, I cannot emphasize enough the fact that we have a book of the Bible named after a woman, which alone is so countercultural to the era, it's unexplainable. She came from a nation born of incest, from a family line that was on the way away from God. And that family became symbolic of shame and othering, and we don't want anything to do with those people. It's a mess. And yet here we have the first woman whose name is used to name a book of the Bible. She's from that family. What's God trying to say? God is trying to say, it doesn't matter where you're from. If you are allowing your family, your history, your nationality, your poverty, your uneducated, whatever it is that you label yourself and say, I'm never going to measure up. I can't be part of. The book of Ruth stands as a blinking neon sign in the Bible saying, it's not true. I will gladly take you. That is the core message of the book of Ruth. I've seen love come and I've seen love walk away. So many questions, will anybody stay? It's been a hard year, so many nights in tears All of the darkness, trying to fight my fears Alone, so long Alone. I don't know who I'd be if I didn't know you I'd probably fall off the edge I don't know where I'd go if you ever let go So keep me held in your hands started breathing the weight is lifted here with you it's easy my head is finally clear there's nothing missing when you are by my side I took the long road but now I realize With you, I'm home.
didn't know you I'd probably fall off the edge I don't know where I'd go If you ever let go So keep me held in your hands I don't know who I'd be If I didn't know you I'd probably fall off the edge I don't know where I'd go If you ever let go So keep me held in your hands You're my safe place My hideaway You're my anchor My saving grace You're my constant My steadiness you're my shelter, my oxygen I don't know who I'd be if I didn't know you Thank God I do message is this theme of self-sacrifice. Everyone in the story from Naomi to Ruth to Boaz, all of them are living for the betterment of others over their own concerns. And because each person in that story chooses to live for the benefit of someone else rather than their own selves, blessing comes to all of them. Because the secondary message, some would argue it's the core message and I'm fine with that, is that when we choose to put others in front of ourselves, which is the essence of what love is, it blesses everyone. It causes growth, it causes flourishing, it causes happiness, it causes abundance, it causes all kinds of good things. And what God is showing in the book of Ruth is that you don't have to be from a certain people to benefit from this. You don't have to come from a certain line to benefit from this. You don't have to be from a certain religion to benefit from this. You don't have to be of a certain gender to benefit from this. If you choose to orientate yourself towards God and to put others ahead of yourself, blessing and abundance and joy will come as fruit of that. It's unavoidable. In my mind, the impact of the book of Ruth cannot be measured. Let me try and explain it to you from a different perspective. The nation that we know today is Israel. They adopted a point of view over time that was toxic and divisive. And the view they adopted about themselves was, We are more special than everyone else. We are God's favorite people. We are the ones. First of all, that line of thinking is dishonest about their own history because God didn't choose Israel. God created Israel from nothing. He took a man named Jacob who was a liar and a scoundrel and a cheat 
and he loved him and he walked with him and he made promises to him and he covenanted with him and he blessed him and Jacob finally surrendered to the fact that God could do for him what he could never do for himself. And he changed his name from Jacob, which means underhanded, and changed it to Israel, which means overcomer. What did Jacob overcome? He overcame himself and his own desire to bless himself and make something of himself at the cost of others. Jacob's trajectory prior to coming to that realization was opposite from Ruth and opposite from Naomi and opposite from Boaz. It was a man trying to make for himself a future and a blessing at the cost of others. And when we take that path, it causes pain, it causes division, it causes heartache, it causes war, it causes bloodshed, it causes nothing good. So God is able to reach Jacob's heart, to turn him around, and he calls him Israel. He was Syrian and Canaanite by bloodline. He calls him Israel. From Jacob comes children, and then grandchildren, and then great-grandchildren. And over time, somewhere they lost not just the fact that they weren't God's favorite. They lost the reason for why God created them why he called them into existence, why he created this family line from this man who finally realized it's better to love than to take. Because when Abraham had first been given the promise that was passed on to Isaac and then passed on to Jacob, core to that promise was, in you there's a seed coming who will bless all the nations. Somehow, they missed it. Let me tell you how fundamentally they missed it. In the book of Jonah, which we won't cover in this series because there's no women in that story that I know of. The book of Jonah stands in the Old Testament as an indictment against the national pride of Israel. Because when God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, a foreign hated people, Jonah refused to go. And the reason he refused to go was because he knew if God's calling me there to talk to them, that means he wants to show mercy to them. Because if he didn't want to show mercy to them, he doesn't need me. He can just do whatever he wants to them. But if he's sending me there, it's because he wants to show them mercy. And I don't want them to have mercy. So he refuses to go. He is a prophet of God who refuses to extend mercy to another nation. But he's descended from Abraham, who was told that in you and in your descendants, all the nations will be blessed. That's how fundamentally they missed everything. Let me go a step further. There are commentaries about the Old Testament, written by rabbis and Jews, that literally attempt to rewrite the stories to make them more pure and more Israelite. For example, we covered Tamar and Judah a while back. Tamar was not an Israelite, but there are rabbinical commentaries that will try and convince you that she is. It's not even possible because Jacob was the first Israelite. Judah is his son. The only Israelites at that point in history are Jacob, his 12 sons, Judah, Joseph, Levi, Simeon, etc., and their children. That's the only Israelites at that point in history. Tamar is not from them. She's not from their family. She had nothing to do with them. Judah had moved away from his people at that point. There is no way that Tamar has anything to do with being an Israelite. But there are commentaries that will try and convince you that she is. And that's not the only story where they do that. Every time someone comes into the story and God elevates them and God uses them and God blesses them and God incorporates them, but they're not Jewish, they try and rewrite the story to make them Jewish. Because in their mind, you have to be Jewish to be blessed. You have to be Jewish to be God's favorite. 
And I'm not here to bash the Jews because the whites have done it and the blacks have done it and the English have done it and the French have done it and the Sp everyone does it. We other people. If you're part of us, you're in. And if you're not part of us, you're out. But God tried to build a nation that was like no other nation. He tried to build a nation to bless all the nations. For the most part, they failed miserably. But the book of Ruth... The book of Ruth stands in one of the darkest points of Israel's history, the time of the judges. It stands in that dark, dark place of history like this flashing neon sign that we talked about earlier, saying it doesn't have to be like this. It can be so much better than this. Look what Ruth chose to do. Look what Naomi chose to do. Look what Boaz chose to do. And look what resulted from it. You know what ultimately resulted from it? From Ruth and Boaz came a son, and from that line came King David, and from that line came King Jesus. The book of Ruth, from any angle you want to take it, is one of the most beautiful books in the Bible that holds up an example of how it could be if we let love win. We'll see you next time. We're glad you stayed and invite you to join us next week for another Fresh Angle. While you are waiting, be sure to stop by our website at www.freshangle.ca. Don't be satisfied with less than the truth about God and how He sees you. If your experience with religion so far has been more fear than faith, shame than humble confidence, guilt than joy, or confusion instead of clarity, you have come to the right place and we look forward to having you back next week.